podcast listeners of the Reject Nation, we are here to watch The Rings of Power, Episode 7. John, how do you say it in Spanish? Siete. Siete, motherfucker. Um, make this the best odd-numbered episode yet. Let's get into it. <laughs> Dope. Damn. I guess they earned that. That was quite, <laughs> yeah, I'll give it to him. That was quite ominous. Just Mount Doom lo looming in the distance. Real stylistic choice to change the text like that. Yeah, buddy. That's what's going to happen in episode eight. Is, uh, you know, Adar and his gang are going to find Isildur. Isildur. Easy. Easy. Never forgot about that ball rock. It's going to be probably a ball rock showdown. Dude, yeah. The whole episode is going to be one big fight between Durin and the ball rock. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. One of the better odd number episodes. Per, maybe the best. <laughs> maybe the best odd numbered episode. But, no, I mean, it's starting to click for me what's going on with this show and the structure of it. Like, this is very much the, um, the end of Act 2 the dark night of the soul after the the Mordor erupted. After they gave life to Mordor, and then bam, you're in the all is lost, and everyone's like, oh, my God, you know. Mm. And then, you know, like, oh, Elrond, you can't have Mithril, and everyone's all disheartened by the events of what happened. Some lives were lost. They, they ultimately lost, and then now we're in the dark night of the soul before we get into our big finale, whatever that might be. But in a lot of ways, this dark night of the soul played like a season finale. Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was a little surprising because it seemed like the way yeah. they were ending a lot of these storylines were, we'll see you next season. <laughs> we'll see yeah. you next season. I'm like, who's gonna, what's going to be the focus of the next episode? Is this going to be like a complete shift in who you're following? Or I don't know, like this from here where I'm sitting, this feels like it's going to be one of those seasons where it's like, okay, so the penultimate episodes are the ones with all the battling, and then the uh, you know final episode is like all the sort of political and emotional setup for the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still, I mean, there's there's stuff, definitely other points you could end on. Uh, I, f I feel like they're at least somewhat good at giving you reversals as of the past few episodes, giving you like either a major triumph or a major defeat, and then showing you like, oh no no no, something even bigger is about to happen that you didn't count on. I don't really know exactly what could be bigger than the eruption of Mount Doom and the formation of the <laughs> earliest stages of Mordor, well, but you never know. It's probably going to be Harfoot heavy. Sure, they got to go find the big man. Got to find the big man, stop him from the white men. White uh, androgynous the, people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aliens on the show. <laughs> got to save him from, from Dren from Splice. And what gang. the hell are they? That's a great question. I mean, they certainly reek of... Necromancy. Yeah, necromancy and evil. I mean, they, as much as everyone's like, I don't think that's Sauron. I'm like, this, this gave total Sauron vibes. Sauron could totally be disguised as, as an Eminem well, sort of lady. That plot line seems so separate from the rest. Well, yeah, I mean, they're just kind of observing and collecting. And, and yeah, we don't really. I like them because we don't know much about them, although, you know, we've only seen them, like, two or three times. I don't get how they move. Yeah. How they, they ninja like, their way there. teleport and glide and stuff. Yeah, no. never seen anything like that. They're magical or something. They got 
dark magic on their side. Use one of those Harry Potter. <laughs> what are they called? Yeah, use like port keys. Port keys. It's <laughs> <laughs> littered with port keys. <laughs> yeah, they just apparate everywhere. Uh, I I have no idea what wh- how that's gonna connect to the main plot because. Every plot line seemed like it came together, and I thought this would be the episode where the Harfoot storyline came together. You know, they had the whole thing with the 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 land being destroyed by some volcanic rock because new eagle came to rise. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're kind of within the geography, sort of. <laughs> they're Somewhere getting close, nearby. They're getting close to there. But maybe in the next episode, that's when it all finally connects. Because I don't really know how you do a full season wrap-up, uh, like a season one wrap-up on this. and it, it feels like it might end like like a Lord of the Rings movie where sure. you're like, oh, there's more to tell. And I, I'm curious. The Hartfords are fine to me. They it, they fluctuate in terms of it, enjoyment because I, I, like, I like Nori overall and even the speech itself from the dad I thought was a nice speech, which... I thought might have been a little bit more profound. I thought he was setting up for something like, "Oh fuck yeah!" Like, I know there's grief, and and we gotta you know deal yeah, with that. Yes, here's but what makes the Harfoot special. Yeah, here's how we rise above that and use that to our advantage. What makes us better than the thing we got over every other creature on Middle Earth is we're, we stay true to ourselves. <laughs> we know who we are, and uh, we you know we, we, we take care of each other. No other creature does that with us. Nobody's <laughs> got community but us. Heartfoot. We're better than we everyone else. On that. <laughs> and we have <laughs> bonds of family and friendship. We know what we're doing. Uh, yes, of all the speeches, it certainly <laughs> did not quite live up to everybody else's philosophical speeches and arguments. <laughs> That's a hard-foo way. Simplicity. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the chillest of all the, the philosophical speeches, which is very in, in tune with the Harfoots. I guess that would have to be it, though. They that that Maybe that is one of the main ways they will have the finale kind of separate itself, is that they will finally, you know, be the last thread to intersect with the main plot, you know? I thought that... Um, the storyline with Elrond and Durin was still very, very strong. Um, like that's where all the biggest emotions come from, and the wonder. And I did like the Balrog reveal at the at the end of Ah oh, man, they because I, I like the complexity of it because I think they've dealt a lot with wonderful complexities, like with Durin and Durin, of how they were butting heads over the direction they should be going with the kingdom and how to treat their allies, but then also unpacking Durin being like, you know, you just, if it doesn't originate from you, then what's the point of doing this? And and I I like that uh, he was finally standing up for himself in in that regard and the way how they're both that stubbornness and also that metaphor drawn of rock and fire because it is a good symbolic representation of what what the, what they are and uh it, it was kind of like watching a rock and fire fight each other yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> like i got all the passion and i am a bit of a blockhead yeah. <laughs> i am set in my ways yeah and so i thought that was a great argument between them and then to find out that because he's like, seal up that hole. No, no one's getting this Mithril. 
And then to find out, like, oh, there's actually like something really fucking evil. Down there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, he's got a point. <laughs> keep it hidden, but they don't even know about that, probably. No, no, surely not. So, and it'll take a while, maybe, to get all the way down there. Then again, rock and fire. Break True. it to the rock. What do you find? Fire. Ultimate the ultimate. Fire. Yeah, fire personified. Yeah, it was good. Good metaphors being drawn. I like Theo and Galadriel um, mm-hmm. bonding with each other uh, in, a, in a mournful state. And how she can inspire. Like, that was a time where, you know, it's like she's kind of like humbled herself down here, where because she's so dispirited, she's weirdly just kind of melancholic and calm and allow and is able to just sort of be, because she's devastated, she can also be emotionally sound simultaneously. A kind of weird thing when the storm calms down within you. It's that, that sobering, you can, yeah. Yeah, so I I think uh, that that side that we got to actually see some of the more wisdom side of Galadriel, and, yeah, which I thought was nice. So there was a lot of good scenes here. I could have used a big death, especially after a thing like that. I could use a big death. Yeah, because the only f- you mainly get Isildur, who we absolutely we know <laughs> cannot be dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's like of all the characters, he's the one where you're like, they're faking us out with the one dude we know is going to be so important down the line. And they killed off the other guy who they're like, make him really likable yeah. by having him be kind of funny. Make him and, be and that the, way it's sad. He's the he my girl dies. back home guy. Aw, <laughs> he didn't mean to be here. He no. just wanted to be with his friend. But he was likable because he was funny. <laughs> he was good hearted till the end. And now he's our, he's the one we got to rally for, you know? That's that's cost enough. Him, he's the face of everyone who died in this battle. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of plot armor going on. It's like, oh good, ev- everybody, all the m- important cast members made it. You know, Halbrand got stabbed and stuff, and, that, and the wounds infected, that's bad. But they, otherwise, you know. They try to do like a, a big thing at the end with like, Bradwin's alive. Arndir's alive. Everyone made it. Halbrand's alive. We're all alive. Queen Regent, though, being blind, and it, I like that it's motivating her. And I, I think they're going to do some, like, oh, her visions are going to get enhanced yeah, now. She's gonna be now something. I can really see. <laughs> My eyes held me back. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those things. You can feel it coming. Mm-hmm. Or she's going to be some blind joke. Walking <laughs> in the walls, giving speeches. Commander! Commander, where'd you go? That is not a toilet to my queen region. <laughs> you were in front of the entire court. <laughs> <laughs> Cover your shame. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hilarious. We needed some more humor in the show. We needed some that's... physical comedy is what this show is like. <laughs> we need some Mr. Magoo gags. <laughs> that's what the Lord of the Rings is. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I like that for her character. There was a like I, I like the way they played that, and I even like the idea of having it be like, oh yeah, we don't see Arendir and we don't see Ronwin for a while, and they're like, you know, they distribute the focus around so that at least you can feel from certain characters' perspective that distance of like, okay, the battle is ended, but I don't know where everybody wound up, and like I thought through at uh, uh, Ellen. Elendil, that's uh, uh, Sildur's father. That's what I'm finding right now, yeah. John. 
<laughs> I believe. Uh, yeah, like through him. Like I, I, I liked the way they played it in the characters. Like I thought this episode had a decent amount of emotionality, even in characters who don't typically yeah, get it. Do. Even even if it's not even in the most you know uh, expressive of ways, you know, like Galadriel is still pretty, you know, um, very steady of presence, and and I'm trying not to use the word stoic all the time, um, but even beyond that, you know, like I got some hints of that, and I really do like it's weird. I it's my favorite performance of hers in this one yeah absolutely and like even the stuff about uh at first i i almost expected a pang of like oh here we go like you know have you lost anybody and it's like oh yeah let's ring the bell of my brother and my husband but even that stuff like for as much as some of that can feel talked about her husband before maybe a little i I could never seems motivated to avenge his death no (laughs) no especially (laughs) after leaving off with him like criticizing he started his own family he's sauron (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh damn what if he is (laughs) my would make no sense but it would be cool (laughs) do i look like a crab in my armor now sauron existed before you went off to bed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, hey man, his plan Morgoth is a crazy dude, all right. He had a lot of big plans. But uh yeah, I mean even even those things that I expected to be like you know, like her backstory with those details, like it's not altogether super different from various other characters in this position. I lost a family member or a spouse vital to me and that drives me. But even as such, like I thought, yeah, the performance combined with Especially the back and forth. Like, I thought it was a really, yeah, wise choice to pair her off with Theo, who needs, you know, some sort of guidance, but also reassurance, and who is in sort of this fragile state where he could easily, like, slip to the dark side. Well, they're the two characters who would probably feel the most responsible given the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's very, and it's nice. I, I liked, too, them having to kind of. I love the whole like waking up in the you know rubble and and that long shot and then them you know eventually finding each other and having to hide out you know like in the first movie uh, as the orcs just stop to admire the <laughs> ashes everywhere. Um, but yeah, no, I mean generally I I I like this quite a bit and was pretty thrilled and I felt the general sort of collective stakes. I feel like it bodes well for the future. It still, yeah, it wasn't maybe like a 100% dunk, but like this is still pretty solid as far as... Well, it's the first episode, I think, where they actually cut around to many storylines that didn't feel disjointed mm. and still flowed really well. And there's wisdom poured into each of them instead of there being like, there's one story with the wisdom, one story yeah. with the touching character moments, one story with the big plot. It's like everybody got a bit of everything. Yeah, no, and it would make sense that this would be a bit of a dour episode. Um, sure. Because, yeah, Thank the way you, yeah. structurally it tends to work. <laughs> to say, and, I, uh, and I thought they did a really, really great, like I really liked the first chunk of the episode in the inferno because like especially watching the way they realized it i was like this does feel infernal like this feels very immediate and very oppressive and you can feel the heat and how hard it must be to breathe and watching them scramble and try and and you know sift through this rubble and pull out any survivors and watching is like i think it's easy to forget how you know the physics of of fire and flame can work 
when you're so far removed. So like, you know, things can sort of cause mini explosions and stuff like that. And, and like the intensity I think is, I don't know, like there's something I, I wasn't necessarily expecting. It's like in a similar vein to how like they've kind of upped the gore factor on this show. They've also kind of upped the sort of, um, I don't know, you really feel like you're there when there is destruction and when there is, you know, wanton loss and slaughter, you know? And, uh, and yeah, like it feels for the giving rise to Mordor, like it feels appropriately hellish, uh, you know, throughout. And then, yeah, like all the tones that follow that, you know, feel pretty natural. Yeah. I have a prediction for what's going to go on in the next episode, right? Check this out. Let's do it. Let's I do guess. It. Let's do it. So... The Harfoots are looking for the big man. Yes. And then suddenly uh, they get jumped by those uh, weird, creepy alien guys. <laughs> and then uh, and the big man shows up, strikes yeah. one of them down. But the other two are coming of the alien oh, people. No. Then he looks to he looks to the Harfoots and goes, Fly, Fly you fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he falls into some kind of ravine with the other two. As they we're make gonna their know, way. we're gonna know who he is. Him, He's he only learned a couple words. Centuries. That's <laughs> <laughs> his catchphrase. <laughs> Full of a harfoot. <laughs> I can't wait. It's gonna be so good, dude. And then he's gonna, and then he's gonna immediately return, and at the very end of the episode, like, "Hey, I'm back. I got my white outfit now. Let's do this. Let's go fight Sauron." It'd be great. Oh yeah, because right now, what he's he's like brown. That's right. I'm getting ahead of myself. We eradicate the brown. It would. Hey, I mean, he seems to be communing with the earth, and and you know, we haven't plant life. We have we ever seen Radicus? Not here and now. I mean, this is well before him, I think. We'll see about that. Uh, but, but this could be proto Radigas the Brown. Radigas the Brown. How do you spell Radigas the Brown? R A D A G A S T, I think. Radagast. Yeah, you know. That's right. Radigas was in Hobbit. Hobbit films. Yeah, he had he was bird the best. poop all over he his was head. The best character. Yeah. That's why, I, that's why I remember him right away. A bunch of great <laughs> woodland creatures helping yeah. him out, you know? He had a, he was in the little uh, Disney corner of the forest. I do think, I, I, it's weird, it's not that kind of show, but I do feel like maybe somebody important ought to, ought to have died. Yeah, just, man. Just to drive home, because so, they do make a lot out of the sort of like, oh, there's certain characters we haven't seen, and I don't know who's going to have made it, and they're playing that up from both our perspective and certain characters' perspective, so I feel like that could have lent itself. And uh, I would love if none of these people are really Sauron. And he's none just of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, I feel like it's just as, you know, there. if this is a five-season show, ostensibly, I feel like the odds are just as good we haven't met him yet, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like the wife of Dern a lot, man. She's Disa, man. She is she a motivates. MVP. And also the uh, who's the what's the name of the Hobbit leaders? The Harfa leaders. Oh golly, what is that guy's name? Uh, Whatever, he's good. He was I like I like him rising to the occasion. Oh yeah, yeah. He just waited for his wife to give him orders. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, help out. All right, all right, all right. She right. says, "Come so. on, you damn Jesus. kids, <laughs> go help find your big giant." All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. Um, what'd you think about today's episode? Leave your thoughts down below. 
Keep a lookout for our reaction to the final episode of the season. Subscribe, click bells. Last but not least, let's do a Patreon. All right. You know who the best person is if there's a fire. Oh, I know who it is. Who to send in to do the job. Lance Door. That's right. Because dude. Lance is Sildor. He's a firefighter. And we're right. never going to stop linking that nope. one occupation. No. It's your whole identity. There's nothing dude, else. If you were walking through that rubble, you kicking in every door, <laughs> pulling people out with your bare hands. Yes. He's like, I need my axe. My axe. <laughs> and my hose. <laughs> and my fire engine. Is there a fire hydrant nearby for <laughs> me to pull from? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure he could snake it down to a river somewhere. I'm sure that, see, that's where you need the hardfoots. They can help you get some water going, or maybe they can, like, all combine their little jugs together. They look out for each other. They're the only people who do that. I'm saying, Lance, what we're trying to tell you is if you really want to rise and get a promotion to take care of your family, you need to start taking on some volcanic action, Dude. all right? You don't really see firefighters dealing with volcanoes too often these days. So you got to go where the money's at. Yeah, you save the most lives. You save the most lives. So I'm saying set up your own firefighting station. Run your own firefighting business near a volcano. Just dump precious water into volcanoes. <laughs> so just put it right there on the land. Uh -huh. And you'll always be ready to put that lava out. I'm telling you, dude, you'll be you'll be you'll be getting some real real money, man. You're gonna change the world, and also set up a home there. Yeah, <laughs> just live off the Start off the coast of a volcano. there with your family. This is so exotic. There's ways to monetize a volcano mm -hmm. as a firefighter. You can start your own small business, hire other people to help you fight the fire. You can let people walk around your fire truck. Mm -hmm. Then at night, you know, you can do some kind of strip show where you oil yourselves up and you, like, dance with, with the only your fire coat. Ooh, yeah. I like that. A little bit of Magic Mike action. Yeah, a little uh, Magic Miguel over here, yeah. Yeah. Well, Lance. Drop it like it's hot, Lance. Now you know what to do for your future, and that's why you're here, to get advice. Wisdom. For your wealth investments. All right, guys. That's Lance for you. We we'll dig you too deep. <laughs>